0: pressure. Welcome back to the What Are You Made Up show here in that one studio with your boy C-Rock. We're keeping it going here, guys. We're just lining shows up and knocking them down, bringing you great guests to hopefully help you advance your mission in life whatever that mission is, or maybe find your mission. And also to just to let you know that, you know, look, everybody goes through things. You're not alone when you try something it doesn't work. You fail, you get a setback. You, you know, and now a lot of times it feels like you're alone or you, it feels heavy and dark sometimes, even the, the, the closer you are to an adversity. But this show is designed to basically expose the journey to success, which is most of the time invisible. And so we're gonna do that again today with Lainey Rowell. She's in the building. And she's a best-selling author, award-winning educator, and TEDx speaker dedicated to human flourishing, community building, and social-emotional learning. She earned her degree in psychology and went on to earn postgraduate degrees in education. An international keynote speaker, she has presented in 41 states as well as in dozens of countries across four continents. And as a consultant, Lainey's client list ranges from Fortune 100 companies like Apple and Google to school districts and independent schools. Lainey, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you.
0: Yeah, and I'm excited to have you and learn more about you and and, and really introduce you to my, my audience and community. Lainey, I start to show the same way every time, and that's with this question. What are you made of?
1: Lots of things, of course. I'll start with gratitude. And earlier you were mentioning about some of the challenges and how life doesn't always go maybe the way we want it to or according to plan. But that's part of the full human experience. And part of what I'm made of is gratitude for even those challenges. I'm also I'm gonna go based off of of some evidence, having done some character strengths analysis, and so made of honesty and kindness and love of learning. And there's these are things that just really help me to to live gratefully, approach life with authenticity being as transparent as possible and then navigating challenges with resilience and inquiry, you know, asking lots of questions. Why is this happening? What am I supposed to learn from this? That kind of thing. So
0: curiosity, right?
1: I think it's really important. And I think that's a part of gratitude. I think they play well off of each other. When we stop being curious about things, we aren't as grateful about how amazing this world that we get to live in is.
0: Yeah, man. I love it. I love it. All right. So where did it all start for you? What's your story, Lainey?
1: So I was a psychology major and I love humans and I find our, our beings just fascinating. So I wanted to learn more as a psych major. And it just so happened that when I went to go do my field hours, I was given some places I could go. I could go to work in this hospital, work in this community center, work in the school. And I I would love to say that I chose the school out of some purpose-driven decision-making or something like that, but it just happened to be closest to San Diego State's campus. And so I went with that and I just fell in love with working with kids and I decided to be an educator. And so educator for many, many years, more than 25 years, but the last kind of half of that, I've actually been out of the classroom and out of my district leadership position that was the last position I held and now I am a full-time author and keynote speaker and consultant. And so I get to work with people all over. And then as I've, you know, there there's a whole story about why I came to focus on gratitude and we can chat about that if you want, but there's there's really writing and speaking are my kind of my full-time gig right now.
0: Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll get to the gratitude thing, but like before we do that, like take us Through the decision to stop being in the school systems, what was that like? Did you feel like, did you go through a a phase of uh, uh, misalignment kind of, or some kind of, I don't know, I'm looking for a word, but I can't find it. Um, Some, you know, some feeling that you just knew something wasn't right. And then you had to explore what that was. Like, I'm just kind of relaying my journey related to my journey where you were just like in something and you're like, is this really for me or how did that go for you?
1: And I still work very closely with schools and districts, but it's just in a different capacity. So what essentially happened was I was working in a district level leadership position and Apple reached out to me looking for education consultants to do workshops and help educators with how could they innovate in the classroom, meet the needs of all learners, make learning more engaging and empowering. And it just so happened that they offered me a position as a consultant for them traveling the country. At around the time where my district was making some changes that I didn't really know where I would fit into. And so I basically went to my HR department and I'm like, I know you're not giving any leaves this year, but is there any chance you'd give one leave? (laughs) And they did. I was the only leave they gave that year. And I went off and I tried it. And then a year later they reached out and said, are you coming back? And I said, oh, I love you all so much. No, I am not. Because I was still getting the opportunity to get into schools and districts, which I love to work with. And actually even getting kind of funny enough, I was in a district leadership position, so I wasn't getting into classrooms as much. And then once I went and did the consulting and the speaking, I was actually getting into classrooms more. So I I got more time with kids. So that was kind of a nice thing too.
0: Gotcha. And then so through that, you, I guess, did you create a, a mission and a vision of where you were going through that? Because see, sometimes people like, let's say you're an educator and you're, or you're in a leadership position and and you just decide like, no, I'm doing something different or something happens where Apple reaches out and then you decide and it formulates from there. Right. Like when did you, when did you really establish like a vision, like where you're going to go?
1: Yes. I'm a little bit more accidental than intentional at times. And so it was more of the opportunity arose and I thought, well, this is interesting. I think I want to see where this goes. And a lot of the forks in the road, you can see that the decision I made was because I chose the one that I thought was the scariest and the biggest risk, but could really help me grow the most. And that was kind of what that did. And so, I mean, there's just so many things along my journey where I'm like, did I really do that? I left my very comfortable district position where I was making a great salary and I got a paycheck at the end of every month to do this consulting where it's like, hope someone pays me. And it just, it, it worked out and I've been so happy that I did it. Cause like I said, it, it's really invigorating to get to work with so many different people all over the country and even the world that I'm just, it was the right thing for me for sure.
0: Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Cause I wake up some mornings. I, I left the mortgage industry after 20 years and 50 some employees build this thing with my, with my best friends. And and then some days I wake up and I'm like, what did I do? And what am I doing? <laughs> you know, and it's like, but then every time I see a win from what we're doing and it's like, oh, okay, now I remember. So for you, did you, like, what was there any challenging moments when you left to going into this new thing where it was like, did I do the right thing? And, and it was because of a challenge or something that you faced in it or an uncertainty or was it always pretty laid out for you?
1: You know, I think being a somewhat cautious risk taker? Is that a thing? We're going to we're gonna name it that right now. Because I do take risks, but I also like to make sure they're not completely reckless. And so I was very careful to diversify, leaving that comfortable, I get a paycheck every month. And so I started reaching out to, well, actually organizations reached out to me, could you do this project? And that was really what kind of helped me put together a, a job I didn't even know could happen, where it's like, I can do the speaking. I can do the writing. I can do the consulting. And there was no point in my teaching prep program where they're like, and if you ever want to do this, here's how you do it. It's like all, there's no, there's no roadmap for this. It's all just been about, okay, well, I think I should do this. And I think I should do this. And so it's been a really fun journey and I don't even know where I'll go next, but new things pop up all the time. And I'm excited for the challenges they give me.
0: So, okay. So then what is, what is the, like, how did you figure out what you were going to write about? Like, you know, being an author and then what you're going to talk about with your TEDx, like where did all that start and, and, and kind of evolve?
1: Yeah. So I was not a great student. If you would, you know, use that, I consider that a role where you're, you're doing really good notes and you're just being really diligent with your work. And I was not a good student, but I've always been an inquisitive person and a good learner. And when I became an educator, I realized that what I struggled with is what a lot of kids struggle with. There's no one size to how we learn, right? We're all so unique and dynamic. So the through line through all of my work has always been, how can we meet the needs of everyone by giving them voice and choice and offering them so many different paths to this is what we are going to be learning about, but you can get there your own way. So kind of like, here's the destination, but you get to pick the route. And so that's what technology was about. When I talk about innovation, my first book was actually a book for teachers on how to continuously improve. And then... My life took a really big pivot on March 13th of 2020. And I think that's a date that stands out to a lot of us because for most of us, um, especially here in the U.S., that's when we shut down for COVID. That was also the day that my first book came out. And obviously much bigger things going on in the world, champagne problem. But when you've been writing a book for five years and it launches on the day the world shuts down, you're not happy about it. And like, I try and give myself grace and remember, we thought it was going to be a couple weeks. We thought we were going to like get past this and I'm still kind of stuck in, oh my gosh, like my big life project is is coming out and this is not great had the whole book tour planned, everything canceled within like 72 hours because no one knew like, maybe it'll be two weeks, maybe it'll be more. We don't want to risk it. So that was a really pivotal point. And that's actually, if you want to talk about that, that's how I ended up kind of switching gears and talking more about gratitude.
0: Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, let's hear it. Because you know what, like... uh When something happens to you, you're in this world and you think it's just you, but then there's like all these different stories, at different, and there's levels to things, right? There's different levels. And, and, and so you got to kind of like, when things happen, you know, I I really, since my mid forties, probably Lainey, uh, I I started thinking to myself, everything that happens, I just start, I don't, I don't like complain about it. I just start looking. You're talking about that curiosity thing. I just start looking. Okay. What's it, what's the deal with this? What's the deal with it? There's something here. You know, exactly. so so how did you approach that?
1: And I would love to say that this was like a fifteen minute of like <laughs> yeah. pining away, like, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, I can't make yeah. this happen. It was not that yeah. fast. I wish I was that evolved <laughs> and that that agile. Yeah. But it was, you know, I'm someone who in crisis, I shift into, you know, over functioner. I am going to make a schedule for my kids every day. We're going to be doing yoga at 830. We're going to be doing reading at 915. Like we had a legitimate schedule. In fact, it actually got a lot of traction when I posted it online because people are like, that's brilliant. We'll we'll add some structure to our days. So I'm doing all that. Meanwhile, I'm kind of just terrified of what's happening to humanity and are we going to be safe? What's happening? So a lot of anxiety, obviously. And I was... I can look back now, and I think to some extent, I was aware of like, you're safe, your family is safe, you're healthy, you have enough food in the freezer, enough paper products, like, you're not in imminent danger. You need to like appreciate what you have. But it wasn't really until I came across this Laura Kelly Finucci poem, and it starts off with When This Is Over. And it's like, When This Is Over. May we never again take for granted a handshake with a stranger full shelves at the store conversations with neighbors, and I won't say the whole poem and I don't do it justice anyways, but it was really a wake up call it was like a weekend to shut down I heard that poem and I was like, oh my gosh, I have been sulking and so, you know upset about this book launch. And obviously, there's more important things going on in the world. But I really just need to look at the fact that we are all safe, we're together, and then really be thinking about not only now appreciating what I have, but how can I appreciate when things do get back to normal? How can I not take these things for granted when we're past this? And so that was what really led me to take this deep dive into gratitude. And it's just been super fascinating to learn that this you know, timeless wisdom that's backed by science is so much more powerful than I ever realized.
0: Well, and did they talk about gratitude and psychology at all? Like when you were studying?
1: So I, when I was a psych major was on the very cusp of what we now call the positive psychology movement. And so the history of psychology is to look at you know, what are wrong with people? What's everything, how can we label everything that's wrong with a person? And it's kind of amazing that it's really only been in the last few decades that we actually look at, well, wait, what can people do to improve themselves? How can they be happier? How can they, you know, take where they are and shift into a better space? And that's really, really only the last few decades, which is kind of insane. And so in my psych program, no, they weren't talking about gratitude. They would talk about things like the praise to correction ratio, which is, if you're not familiar with it, I was taught six to one. So six positives for every one correction when you're trying to change someone's behavior. It's not meant to be manipulative. They need to be specific, authentic feedback that's positive. But that was the closest I ever heard to gratitude. And so I when i started doing this deep dive i went and looked up dr robert emmons and his work he's the world's leading science of gratitude expert and i just started looking at all of these people who had spent the last few decades since positive psychology movement started like what can the science tell us about gratitude because it's something that i'm guessing mike your parents taught you my parents taught me but there's so much more to it and the science backed part of it is pretty profound
0: yeah, so they teach us thank you and manners, and they didn't teach us why. That's what my like my aunts and uncles, grandparents, parents like. I, I didn't like why. It's okay. I it makes sense to be nice, and yeah, I get it. But like like really, it comes down to a frequency. By, like you know, you start studying quantum physics, quantum resonance. Um, you see how this stuff starts to relate to psychology and, and moods and outcomes, yeah. and how you can actually cause and create your world and your future through through, the, through those things.
1: So yeah. have you
0: gotten deep into that stuff yet?
1: I mean, I'm really looking at, I, I tend to focus on social and emotional contagion, how the behaviors that we have and the emotions that we're feeling are really having these ripple effects and how what we are feeling can actually transmit to the person next to us. And actually even across screens is kind of amazing. And that's probably why, you know, so many of us get stuck spinning the the reels is right. Like we're getting that social and emotional contagion from seeing what people are experiences as humans, we want to feel connected. And so that's what we're seeking as we're doing those things. And, So when we know that, and like you said, it's not just about manners. It's way more than manners. And when we have a grateful disposition, when we... Really cultivate this, we are going to improve our well being, our physical health, our emotional health. We are going to nurture relationships and we're going to make the world a better place because gratitude is a pro social behavior. And when you're doing it, not only with those that you're close with, but the people that you interact with out in the world, I call them intentional acts of kindness. You know, leave the five star review for the business, hold the door open for someone, not out of obligation, but You know, give them a genuine compliment while you're holding the door open. These things that we can do so that people feel genuinely seen, known, heard, and appreciated is making all the difference. And we've got real big problems in the world. And if we were to treat each other with this, if we were to lead with gratitude, have that grateful disposition, and then share it with others, I think things would be much different.
0: Yeah. And you know what? All this stuff makes sense, but I like to go deeper. Like I'm always like, okay, well, if, I think if people really understood why and how it works, okay, then they'd be more apt to do it. Right. And so like when I the talk science about the, behind it, yeah, I mean the science and yeah, the understanding of it, because like, for example, everything is energy and you're looking at frequencies. Mm-hmm. Well, the frequencies and how they resonate with each other and how they repel each other. And yeah. then like when, when, I, when I've studied this more and more and then I start practicing this, I, I realize there's a formula and I'd love to get your take on this because I've been talking about this often is, you know, set an intention on something, right? And that could be being more loving, being more intentionally like kind, whatever it is, but setting an intention on something leads to what you pay attention to. Ooh. And then what you pay attention to starts to validate your intention and it creates existence. So then if people can understand that formula that I, I just, I, I came up with that through a lot of my studies and I started practicing that, I started creating things and I'm like, well, this is powerful. If everybody knew this, this could change the world. But I also, and I'd love to get your thoughts on, it. I think, I feel like there's like a hampering of this, of those that are in power, not to get political or anything like that, but there is like power and, um, economic reasons. They don't want people to know this, that we all have this power. And, and I think it's, there's something there because like what you're doing, you're, you're trying to make an impact in young people's lives. And that's where we, sh- you know, don't you think that that's where it starts? So I'd love to get your thoughts on all that. Like, like I just feel like there's a power that we've all been given, whether you believe in God or not, um, that we're also not being encouraged about and it's kind of being hidden from us.
1: Well, I think that at a minimum, it's, we all lead very distracted lives and it's very easy to not notice. And so I hear you saying the intention. And when you have that intention, that's when you start to see things that you maybe weren't seeing before. And that's a huge part of gratitude. And so many things that we want to to do is just to start noticing what is the good and what, how can I replicate more of that? How can I bring more of that into my life? How can I put more of that out into the world? And so as I'm trying to encourage both kids and adults to live more grateful lives, that's, that's the first step. Notice, notice what you're seeing, because we all are born with a negativity bias and that negativity bias served us well evolutionarily because, you know, years, many, many, many years ago, we were in constant threat. And so we had to be on the lookout for the bad. But most of us are fortunate to not live in imminent threat on a regular basis. And so we don't need to be constantly looking for the bad. We can train our brains to constantly look for the good. And so that's what we want to do. That's why I Love think it's it. really I, That's
0: important. right. That's right. Yeah. So, so Lainey, from here, what, uh, what is the focus for you right now? Like, what do you, what do you really your attention right now? And then what's your vision for the future? Like, if I could snap my fingers and make something happen, what does that look like?
1: So right now, the, the current focus, and I, again, I'm, I'm somewhat accidental at times, but trying to be intentional too. The current focus is on how can I bring the power of gratitude, and I call it bold gratitude. It's like we think about, you know, you were mentioning earlier, our parents taught us like it's polite and things like that. But to me, gratitude is most powerful when we're bold with it. We're out loud with it. We don't just keep it to ourselves. We share it with those we're close with. We share it with those out in the world. And so I'm really trying to make this work as accessible as possible. You know, there's a lot of neuroscience to support it. We can talk about the dopamine and the serotonin, the happiness chemicals and everything they do in your brain and all that fun stuff. But I really want to just make it super accessible so people understand that it's going to improve your well-being. It's going to nurture relationships. It's to make the world a better place. And so really just trying to figure out because I believe this is what I meant to do right now and I I don't know what I meant to do 5 to 10 years from now but right now this is my focus this is what I feel like I'm being called to talk about and to speak about and to work with others on. And so that's kind of where my attention is right now and it's a part of who I am so gratitude is always going to be a major part of it and where we go from there hard to say. <laughs>
0: Right. Okay. So then from your book, what is your book called and where can people find it?
1: So the, the have book, a
0: couple books, but
1: I have a few books. And so the one that's most recent that was written for tweens, teens, and adults is called bold gratitude. And it's actually a journal designed for you and by you. So again, kind of going back to how I was as a kid and as a learner that really there's no one size fits all. And I'm not unique in that none of us are, you know, exactly the same as the person next to us. So it's really trying to take what we know is scientifically backed as a really powerful uh, practice, which is journaling. And how can we make that so that it meets the needs of as many people as possible? So this really, really interactive, engaging journal that I think people will love. So.
0: And where can people find it?
1: Oh, sorry. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's, it's in the, it's in the, all the spaces. (laughs) And you can gotcha. get it on my Okay. Way. So
0: do you, do you believe in the power and of importance of actually writing, put pen to paper? Or is it you think the same for texting or typing?
1: So the science, you know, we're always learning new things, but the science says you can type it. I think some people will tell you they personally get more from putting pen to paper. I find I spent a lot of time typing. So for me, there's a different feeling when I put pen to paper. And I have for years said I'm allergic to paper because with the exception of sticky notes, I am not a paper person because to me yeah. it's stuff that gets yeah. lost. It's just like I don't like the way my handwriting looks. And so I'm not actually someone who typically does a lot of pen to paper but for, for journaling, that is my kind of my one exception, but you don't have to pull out an audio, you know, a voice memo app, record your thoughts. It's really that you're putting it into concrete language. That's what the science is very clear about. How you want to do that pen to paper, you know, typing, audio, however, I think there's a lot of flexibility in that, but you have to put it into concrete language. You can't just think it in your head.
0: Yeah, get it out of your head. So I, I hate writing. You know, I, I really hate it. Like I have pens here. I have tons of notebooks. I went through a phase where I was like filling up these notebooks and I went through a mentorship um phase of my life where I'm not right this second, but I went through it like four years ago and I was filling up these pages, you know, with tons of notes and, and I, I would never actually even go back and look at them. Mm-hmm. Is that, that's, is that weird? Like I would, I would, I don't know. No. I just.
1: I think- is some value in it if you, you know, for those who want to, especially if you're doing the gratitude journaling. Although I've also heard of failure journaling being something to go back and look on. I mean, there's really a power in, in reflection, of course. But one of the things about a gratitude journal is when you're capturing those good feelings, when you're capturing those good memories, those good experiences, when you go back and reread it, you actually re-experience that. And so that's that's a pretty nice thing. Like you kind of get a twofer or a, you know, however many times you want to go back and read it, you're getting the same experience after you've recorded it once.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And how about meditation? Are you big on meditation or prayer or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) So My, my meditation is mostly through prayer, but I, I do also do guided meditations and it is a part, it's not as consistent as other practices, but I do feel like it's a really important practice. And it's actually kind of, that's one of my goals is to get more consistent with meditating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, I've experienced some stuff recently that's just been really like feeling. So when we want something, right. And we set something out in front of us, we really want something. It's the. Feeling that we really want—it's not the thing. We don't really want to have a, a car or something. It's like what that feeling is. So what I found is I can just create that feeling by closing my eyes and getting into a relaxed state. I pray, I pray too, but meditation is a little different. And I and I literally, I literally get this feeling of like whatever it is I I, I want, and then it's like it happens. <laughs> like I I create this thing, but then I don't have that feeling, being like shocked or wow like I already I already experienced the feeling it's it's yeah. just a wild thing and I, I hate to say that it's wild because I don't like to put it on a pedestal because then it means like uh, it's coincidence or happenstance or happen to luck yeah. it's like we're really causing creating and uh and when we understand this power that we all have that we've been given I believe by God then we can make this world a better place like all the stuff that's happening in the news right now I think we we really have the power to make a difference each individual one mm-hmm. of us
1: Yeah. And I think that word power is so important. Empowered. I think what I hope people take away from anything in this conversation is just that you have so much more control over your mind than you might think that you do. And there's practices out there. Gratitude, meditation, social connection. There's a lot of things out there that allow us to move into spaces that we would rather be in.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, listen, Lainey, I want to thank you for being here. And uh, where's the best place for people to engage with you further?
1: Yeah, so I'm Lainey Rowell across the web. And I realize, I mean, Mike, you nailed saying both my first and my last name. Thank you for that. But they're not the easiest. So uh, L-A-I-N-I-E and then Rowell, like Powell, R-O-W-E-L-L. So LaineyRowell.com. I'm mostly on Insta with Lainey Rowell as my handle.
0: Awesome, awesome. Alaney, thank you so much. Hang tight for a second. Thank you all for joining us, watching or listening, however you're consuming this content. It's your boy C Rock in that one studio on the What Are You Made Of Show? Until next time, be unstoppable. Yeah, but I had to lose it out of my purpose. Yeah, but I won't do that twice, it made me nervous. Let's get to I'm like check one, check two